Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. How good it is to be at James River Church. You guys, fantastic. Just stay standing for one moment, all right? You can sit for a long time after. I pray. So nice to be here and thanks for your kind words and you guys are certainly blessed with your pastoral team and John and Debbie Lindell. <laughs> yeah. I know you all love them and that's easy to understand. So <laughs> your church is a church that is having its own huge impact on the world. So thank God for that. And I've been hearing about the season that you've been in with healings and God moving and salvation's increasing and I'm thinking, never get used to that. Never take it for granted. You know, this is the type of season where you speak to your grandchildren about it. And so let's believe it's just going to get better and better and better. Amen. (laughs) I hope you can understand Australian. In heaven, everyone speaks like this. Sometimes I've been told in the past over here in the US that I sound like um, Bruce the Shark. (laughs) Finding Nemo. Lord, I'm just so grateful to be here and I thank you for all these incredible people. I thank you for Pastors John and Debbie and for the whole leadership team. I thank you, Father, for every volunteer and everyone who sows in. And Lord, I just thank you that every person in this service here, And in the other campuses online, that every person is important to you. That you have a purpose and you have a plan for every single life. That you're working even when we don't understand it. I pray your word today will speak life to people. And we thank you in Jesus' name and a faith-filled people said together, Amen. Amen, Amen, Amen. Look at all you incredible young guys in the front row. Amazing. All right, you can be seated. What is it, Joplin? Joplin? North Campus, West Campus, uh, the Moon Campus, Mars Campus. There's so many people. I mean, this church, the first service was packed with people. I'm thinking everyone in Springfield must go to James River Assembly. Is there any people in this city who don't come to this church? I hope so, because we've got a whole mission out there of people to reach. A destiny that will consume you. Last Sunday, Bobby and I were in Seattle, Washington, speaking for friends there in a great church. And I spoke about a legacy that will outlast you. And this morning, I want to speak about a destiny that will consume you. There's a very young tennis player in Australia She's a long way down the rankings right now, but her name stands out to me. Her name is Destiny, Destiny Ayava. But it's elongated. It's not spelt the way we spell destiny. It's spelt D-E-S-T-A-N-E-E, Destiny. And I'm thinking, who knows what her future is with a name like that? Do you believe there's destiny written all over your life? Do you believe that God has you on this planet for a reason and a purpose? Do you realise that you're saved, born again? 
not just for heaven, but for the destiny arrived at through God's purpose and God's will here on earth, I believe 100%. I read a book many years ago, actually the first book I ever wrote, and it was called Get a Life. It was all about living the life that God intended you to live, but I called it Get a Life. Well, a lady helped me edit the book, and she was an English teacher and a writer, but she wasn't a Christian. And I used that idea of destiny in the book. And this woman could not get her head around destiny being anything but a negative thing. She couldn't see past destiny just being fate. Life happens to you. It was destiny. If you go to London, you look down on the curb, and they literally paint on the curb, look right before you cross the road. And there's a reason for that. That's because there's a lot of people in the world who look left. In the USA and in most of Europe, people look left, but in England and Australia and sophisticated countries, (laughs) you look right. Well, I've had the misfortune of seeing one of those big red double-decker buses in London with someone trapped underneath it. And that's how people see destiny. What if you get hit by a bus? Hey, what if you don't? (laughs) How do you see destiny? Job talked about destiny. This is what he said. Job said in Job 23, 14, so he will do for me whatever he has planned. He controls my destiny. God controls our destiny. There was a psalmist called Asaph. Psalm 73, verse 24. He said, you guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Well, maybe when you think of a glorious destiny, you go straight to eternity, to heaven. And that clearly is a glorious destiny. But I believe God has something glorious for people here on earth. It doesn't mean everything about life is glorious. Sometimes life can be anything but glorious. But God has destiny written over your life, you younger people here. God has destiny over your lives. Are some of you guys students? Is that why you're looking so spiritual this morning? (laughs) There's destiny written over your life. And that's powerful. Solomon can only see destiny as fate. The book of Ecclesiastes is written when Solomon was cynical. He couldn't see any purpose in anything. He said, it's all vanity, it's all futile, it's just all frustration. He lost sight of the fact that he could live a life that set up the next generation. He saw that as just futile, working just to pass it on to somebody else. He was in a place where he could only see destiny as fate. So Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 9, verse 2, he said, the same destiny ultimately awaits everyone. Whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious, good people receive the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. He lost sight of purpose. He lost sight of legacy. He lost sight of destiny because he was in a backslidden condition. 
But don't ever lose sight of destiny because it's not just fate that determines destiny. It's Jesus. It's the work and the promise of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's those things. Oh, come on, let's give the Lord a big clap, shall we? It's those things that God has preordained. Those things that God determined before the foundations of the earth. That's where destiny comes from. Jesus, He through relationship with Him, changes your eternal destiny forever. Heaven, I'm sure it's going to be worth waiting for. But today I'm more concerned about here and now and why you're here, why God has saved you, why God has put you in business, why God has you in education or in the arts or in worship or in music or in whatever other endeavour God has called you to. Don't underestimate the power of destiny. I look at my wife. We've been married over 45 years. I first met her maybe 50 years ago. And I look back at all that God has done with us together. And I realise there's destiny attached. The first time I ever saw Bobby, she was right behind me. We were at a Christian summer convention. I turned around and I turned around again. She had long dark hair all the way down to her back. We went to the beach that afternoon, independent of each other, and it was destiny. First time I ever tried to hold her hand was in church. It was another Christian conference and we were in the grandstand of a race course and someone was preaching in a convention. I was just consumed about thinking about, I'm going to try and hold her hand. I'm sure he taught a great message, but I haven't got a clue. I was just consumed with holding her hand. And so I'll never forget my heart beating. Getting my hand in the right spot. Suddenly holding her hand. And she held my hand back for a few seconds. (laughs) And then she let go and said, oh, it's a bit hot. I was deflated. Do you know one time when we started dating, she got a a prophecy from a pastor in New Zealand that I was second best. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you now, pastor? (laughs) Three children later, now adult children, all serving God in their own way. Some of you would know of Joel Hillsong United and Ben, incredible incredible guy and Laura and their families and our eight grandchildren. There was destiny on that relationship. Maybe your experience has been different. But don't diminish your expectation of God and the destiny that He preordained for your life. Because I'm convinced about it. Listen to the Scripture. It's Ephesians 1.11, but I'll read it from the Amplified. It says, in Him, in Jesus, all the way through Ephesians Chapter 1, it keeps talking about in Him, everything that we have in Jesus Christ. And it says, in Him also, we have received an inheritance. Here it is, a destiny. We were claimed by God as His own, having been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand, according to the purpose of Him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of His will. Who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of His will. I wonder if you believe that. 
about your life, about your family, about your children, about your grandchildren, that God is working things in agreement with His counsel and plan. I don't know about you, but I find that particularly encouraging. I really do because life's not always encouraging. But to know God is working everything. He's working. He's working. Four promises from that verse 11. The first one is, in Him you have an inheritance. I don't know about you, but I like the idea of inheritance. Inheritance of maybe having a long lost grand auntie I didn't know about who all of a sudden left us an inheritance we didn't expect. I mean, that's always happens to someone else. In real life, when my parents died, I got left a small amount of money. But uh, some of what I inherited has been anything but a blessing. I found out when I was 45 that my pastor father had been a serial paedophile back in the 60s and the 70s. I knew absolutely nothing about that. It was the most shattering news I could ever have received. And the fallout from that now, even though it was more than 50 years ago, and I was only a child or a teenager myself at that time, knew nothing about it, but I'm still dealing with the fallout from it to this day. And earthly inheritance may have some degree of blessing or it may come with baggage that you spend your life trying to overcome. But we have a spiritual inheritance that's better in quality and quantity and in kind than anything that you could ever inherit here on earth. It's destiny. The Scripture says, the Scripture says in Him, you have an inheritance. And then it goes on in this verse 11, number two, and says He has claimed you as His own. In other words, you're a child of God. I know most of you know that, but get it in your spirit again today. You are a child of God. You belong. You're part of the family. King David was betrayed by Saul. But as King David decided he was going to try to find someone on earth who came from Saul's lineage. And they pointed him to a man called uh, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth came from Lodibar. Lodi Bar was a place where the bar was set very low. <laughs> I've got to work hard in this service. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mephibosheth was invited by David into the family, into the household to sit at the king's table. He was given a place at the table and his destiny changed forever. How good that God's given you a seat at the table that the King has given us a seat at the table. And so in Him you have an inheritance. In Him you've been claimed as His own. In Him, the Bible says, you have been predestined. You've been predestined, chosen, appointed beforehand. Predestination is a big biblical concept and to be honest, a big theological debate. So we're not gonna go there today, but just think of it in its simplest form. Predestination. Predestination. That's how I see destiny. It's what God ordained in your life. Predestination could be limited just to heaven, but I believe God predetermines and predestines His purpose and His will and His plans for our life right here on earth in the here and now. And that's exciting. He has predestined you. I wonder if you've ever looked at your, your endeavour. 
as something that's got God's destiny written all over it. Because I believe it has. As a child of God, as a child of the living King, let's think about what He has predestined. And then fourth thing from that verse, Ephesians 1.11, it says, He has filled you with purpose, the purpose of Him who works everything, who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of His will. He works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of His will. You know what? Circumstances might be terrible right now, but God is working everything in agreement with His counsel and will. Maybe you've got things happening in your world, opposition, and it's very real, but God is working. He works everything. Maybe negativity surrounds you, but God is working. He looks at your life and you know, even when you don't feel it, even when you can't see it, even when it doesn't seem like He's even there, God is working. He works everything, 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 everything according to His counsel and design. So God's working. God's working. And you know, to live our lives destined, destined, to know we have a destiny. So much of your destiny was preordained before you were ever born. The Scripture says, Isaiah 46, that God knows the end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. There's things in your world and things in your life not yet done, but God's known about it since the foundations of the earth long before you were born. That's called destiny. The only person who can derail your destiny is you. Opposition can't, circumstances can't, other people can't. Those things can't derail your destiny. Only we can derail our our destiny. (laughs) And so I love this idea of God predestined our lives. You see, to me, destiny is just a destination with purpose attached. Destiny is, you know, reached on a road or a path called the will of God that takes you to all that God preordained over your life. (laughs) You know, when I was a younger person, when I was a child, in fact, I had this sense of destiny. I gave my life to Jesus as a five-year-old in a tent revival in the north of New Zealand. Bobby and I were both originally New Zealanders before God set us free and took us to the promised land. (laughs) New Zealand's a beautiful place. Australia is a great place to live. By the way, I'm joking. New Zealand's fantastic. Some of you don't even know it's on the map, but it's there. Well, Bobby and I both grew up in New Zealand, but I I grew up with a sense of destiny. I didn't know how God was going to work. And when I was a teenager, I wasn't doing so well spiritually. I was a church kid. I've always been a church kid. But when I was 17, I walked into this cafe It was a Christian outreach and it had on a mural right across the wall, like a three-dimensional mural. Remember now your Creator when you are young. It's of course from the last chapter of Ecclesiastes. Remember now your Creator when you are young. And somehow God spoke to me. And at that moment, I decided I was going to pursue Jesus in my life and I wanted to serve Him. And by the time I turned 18, I was already in Bible college. 
called Christian Life Bible College. It was the New Zealand Assemblies of God Bible College. And uh, of course, Bobby and I, around that time, we got together and it's all been destiny. And we started a church in our 20s. We moved to Australia. And I always found God blessed us. Like I was a youth pastor in a really small Assemblies of God church in Auckland in New Zealand. But the church, sorry, the youth group just began to grow. As a matter of fact, the youth group got larger than the Sunday morning congregation. And uh, it just seemed to be on our lives. And so then when we were in our 20s, I was 26, Bobby was 23, we planted a church. We pioneered a new church and it was on the central coast, north of Sydney, a beautiful area. And the church started to grow and to do well. And I'm sure that church was preordained, predestined, but I also knew it wasn't my destiny. And so I called a, a friend, someone I went to Bible college with and asked them if they'd come and pastor that church and they did and they pastored it for many years and that church today is a strong church. And then the next year when I was 27, we did the same thing in the southwest of Sydney, a place called Liverpool and same thing happened. Church started to grow and today it's a strong church. It's still there. They've got sanctuary and facilities and buildings and great outreaches. And the church, I'm sure, was preordained, but I knew it wasn't our destiny. And so we did exactly the same thing, invited another friend to come, and he's been pastoring that church now for over 40 years. Well, in 1983, when I was 29, Bobby was 26, we started a church in Sydney's northwest, right on the edge of the city back then, called Hills Christian Life Centre. It was in the Hills District. It was a church that sung songs and a church in the hills that sung songs. So we called it Hillsong. You thought it came somewhere in the Old Testament, didn't you? But no, no, no. It was just literally a church in the hills that sung songs. Hillsong. I was talking to a guy last night at the hotel and he said, you're from that love song. I said, Hillsong. Yeah, Hillsong, he said. I go to James River Assembly. I said, well, Water Springfield goes to James River Assembly. <laughs> so anyway, the church started to, this, this church that we started in the hills, we started well. We had 70 people, 7-0, on the very first Sunday. And I was pretty excited about that, 70 people, wow. And then the second week, we had 65. And then the third week, we had 53. True story. Then the fourth week, we had 45. And I worked out there were only four and a half more weeks until there'd be no more people. <laughs> and I was 29, like I said, and young and silly. And right where I used to speak in a little school hall hung two of those gymnastics ropes that you'd see at the Olympic Games. And so I was a little crazy preaching and grabbed one of those ropes in the middle of my message and swung out over the congregation and swung back again, which wasn't hard because they only went back about three rows. <laughs> and I just kept preaching, didn't think much more about it, but a young guy, we weren't seeing anyone get saved, church was going downwards quickly, but a young guy was there and he went out and talked to a whole lot of his friends and said, you should come to this new church. The pastor swings on a rope like a monkey. And that following Sunday, he brought 10 young people to church and all of them gave their lives to Jesus. And then, 
The next week, he went, brought nine more friends and all nine of them gave their lives to Jesus. The third week, 11 friends, all 11. He led 30 people to Jesus in three weeks. And then he actually went to heaven. He had a motorbike accident and ended up going to heaven. But in the last three weeks of his life, he led 30 people to Jesus. And the fruit of his life has never stopped from that day to this. Well, from that humble beginning, you know, even though everything in the natural looked like, why would, you, why would you be here? I knew there was destiny attached. Somehow I knew this was gonna be our life's work. This is long before God started blessing Hillsong. And we can look at that and if I could just talk about the testimony of it. You know, the, it, it is a church that's had a global impact. We call it one house, many rooms. So there's campuses and locations and continents all around the earth. And God's done great things through the worship and through so many other of the initiatives of the church. We started multiple campus church when I didn't know anyone else who was doing it. And when we started a second campus, everyone, no one could get their head around it. But God blessed it, there was destiny attached. And you know, this last year, Bobby and I have been in a transition, 39 years there has, uh, has come to an end. But I'll tell you something, destiny hasn't left our lives. We're young. Look at us, we're young. I'm only 68. Life's still ahead of us. I still feel the sense of destiny. I've never, ever not lived my life. And perhaps it's something I should be grateful to God for without a sense that I'm on this earth for something bigger, that God has put destiny into my heart. And I believe you, your life might look very different than ours. Your endeavours might look very different than ours, but don't underestimate when God puts destiny on someone's life, what God can do to use you. Destiny, it's powerful. I, I know Bobby and I were destined to be church builders. We were destined to reach lost people and to see people saved. I know we were destined to make people aware and to raise millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars towards social justice projects and missions. Like I just know that God destined us to do something global. I, I'm trying this in the most humble way. In fact, I don't normally talk at all about, you know, some of the blessing that God's brought our way. But I only tell you because I know that God has put destiny, put destiny all over your life and never underestimate it. And don't ever just think, well, I'm a Christian and I live for the Lord and we love Him and we tithe at the church and, you know, the, we, we, we want one day to be with Him in glory. All of that is wonderful. But there's destiny on your life. There's destiny on your life. I believe God puts destiny in people's hearts. And with destiny in your heart, you know you're alive for something more. The scripture I read, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, the last sign said, you're filled with the purpose of Him who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of His will. And so with that thought in mind, and when it comes to you, three things I want you to think about. Three things about God. And the first is God is unchanging. Do you hear me? God is unchanging. In Isaiah 41 verse 4, who has performed and done this 
calling forth and guiding the destinies of the generations of the nations from the beginning. God has been putting destiny on the generations forever. He is guiding the destinies of the generations of the nations from the beginning. I, the Lord, the first and with the last existing before history began, listen to it, the ever-present, unchanging God, I am He. Who puts destiny on your life? The unchanging God. God's not schizophrenic. He doesn't change His mind. God is the unchanging God. Yesterday, today, and forever, Jesus Christ the same. And so what God preordained for your life, don't underestimate it. And don't allow yourself to fall short of that destiny that He's put in your heart. Don't accept anything less. He's the unchangeable God. Plans can change. Circumstances change. Sometimes perhaps financial situations change. Economies can change. Presidents change. No comment. Presidents change. I mean, I don't vote because I'm not a citizen, so really, I can say anything I want, but... (laughs) But I won't. (laughs) All I know is if your president's the leader of the free world and I live in the free world in a democratic society, then I should get at least half a vote. People change. Bobby and I, I mentioned we've been in a time of transition and we've had incredible support from people all over the world, including your amazing pastors. But you know, amen, give them a clap, it's fantastic. We've had incredible support. But I, I can tell you that sometimes people change in a way you never imagined. Some people who you thought would be there as you move forward towards destiny, they're just not there anymore. I had people I thought were spiritual sons and gone, disappeared. One particular person who looks after a big part of our ministry and I'd have lunch with them every week and impart into them and you know, we would just connect and we'd talk about the Bible, we'd talk about theology, we'd talk about whatever message I was working on. We would just enjoy each other's company every single week. If I ever texted him, he'd come right back as soon as he got the text. And then <coughs> he came up in my memories, a photo of him. So I sent it to him and said, I miss this guy. Gone. Just gone. Gone. You learn that not everyone is going to be what the Bible describes as the friend that sticks closer than a brother. You realise that not everybody is going to be the friend that the Bible says is born for adversity. But thank God for the multitude of people. But you know what? Friendships can change. We can't put our trust in chariots. We can't put it in horses. Ultimately, we trust people. But we can't trust people when it comes to God's purpose in our life. We trust the unchanging God. He is unchanging. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what's going on around and about you, He is the unchanging God. So we've got a lot to thank God for. I mean, Jesus, on the cross, the disciples disappeared. Maybe his brother James was there, but they just 
weren't there. His mother was there and Mary Magdalene and whoever else was there. Various women were there. But others who were close to him, gone. In Gethsemane, when he was in that moment, the people weren't there. He said, couldn't you even just stay with me? One hour. <laughs> Peter, of course, denied him three times, but none of it changed his destiny. Yeah. He knew his destiny. And of course, his destiny is what enables you and I to live destined lives, to live lives full of destiny. It's because Jesus fulfilled God's will in his life, gave his life, was born again, was, sorry, not born again, risen again. Huh? I don't know how you can look so miserable. This is exciting stuff. Turn to someone next to you and say, your life is full of destiny. Tell them your life is full of destiny. Yes, I believe that, I believe it. God is unchanging. Second thing about God is He is faithful. Paul says that God saw Paul's faithfulness and he talks about it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because He counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24, it talks about God being faithful. God will make this happen for He who calls you is faithful. We put our trust in the faithfulness of God. And you know what? I love that thought that God, the faithful God, put Paul in the ministry. Don't underestimate where God puts you. When it comes to church, Maybe you think, well, I go to that church. It's a good church, good children's program. We, we love Father Vision. We, we feel safe there. But I wonder how many people realise that God actually put you here. Yeah. I'm talking to people who this is your church. Yeah. He actually put you here. And when you realise you're living a life where God put you where He wants you, then you don't have quite the same options because God put you there. <laughs> you know what? When it comes to business, there are people here and God put you there. And you're there for His glory and for His purpose. Yeah. And if you live your life with that sense that God will put destiny on this business because we're building it around the kingdom of God and for the glory of God, no telling what God can do. Yeah. No telling what God can do. He's the faithful God. And He doesn't just put you somewhere and then leave you to your own devices. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 said, He saved you and called you with a holy calling, not according to your good works, but according to His purpose and grace. In that one verse, listen to me, the Bible says, He has saved you, He has called you, He has purposed you, and He has graced you. And when it comes to where God puts you in life, whatever He predetermined, He preordained, whatever He predestined, believe me, He saved you for that and He's called you for that, and He has filled your life with purpose for that, and He has graced you for that. And we can understand that even our day-to-day -day is filled with God-ordained destiny. Filled with God-ordained destiny. God is unchanging, God is faithful, and God is able. If God said it, you better believe it. Because God is able. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able, He's able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, 
all, 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 all may have an abundance for every good work. God is able. Now unto Him who is able, Ephesians 3 verse 20. Many of you love this verse. Now to Him who is able to do exceeding. In other words, going further, abundant, flowing over, above, taking you higher than anything you could ask or think according to His power that's working in you. Amen. I can thank God. When it comes to Bobby's and my testimony, when it comes to our story, God has done something exceeding. I always had a sense of destiny, but I could never have imagined. You know, for better or for worse, when we started a little church in an outer suburb of Sydney, I never imagined they'd be talking about it in the New York Times. Sometimes I wish they weren't. But the fact is, don't underestimate what God can do. Don't underestimate exceeding abundant above anything you can ever ask or think. If God said it, we can believe it. He is the faithful God. He's the unchanging God. He is a God who is able and who will fulfill His will in your life. Come on, let's give God the praise for that. In Jesus' Name. Give Him the praise. Give Him the glory. Give Him the glory. Come on. To God be the glory. Great things has He done.